Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Home, the guitar buying, trading, modding, fixing, working, reviewing, playing. I I missed one. Podcast is the last one. No, there's there was something at the, I missed Steve, one at the beginning. This is your podcast. This is my podcast, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing. Didn't did I not say playing? I don't remember. I definitely left one off. Whatever. I wasn't paying attention. Buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, working, reviewing, playing, podcast. No, I missed, left one out at the beginning. I think <laughs> I left, out, th- I think I left out trading. It, we've done it three times now. People uh, in the audience haven't memorized. That's from us doing it. First time listeners haven't memorized now. I know. Good for them. Good for them. People are always like, how, do you, how do you screw that up 253 episodes in? You've only said it. 252 other times on the recorder welcome to the show first time listeners viewers whatever you're doing tasters dude excerpts what are you tasting right now Steve? i'm tasting sierra nevada holiday haze i'm drinking the sierra nevada winter warmer i bought their uh their christmas pack or holiday pack i don't know what it's called winter pack mm-hmm. something like that uh so what were you gonna say you were gonna say something um the the little excerpts that you put up on the youtube are killer man they get the views uh, and i was talking to one of my coworkers about it because you dropped the how to rob guitar center one like 12 hours later than the actual episode and it had like at the time that i looked at it it had like triple the views yeah and i was like this is insane and i was trying to one it's of got my co- that clickbait title yeah, i was trying to one of my coworkers. she's like yeah nobody wants to watch youtube for an hour they just want to watch youtube for like how long is this thing? I was like, I don't know, 12 minutes. She's like, exactly. exactly. They want the good stuff. That's why I do the excerpts. That good, good. All right, man. So what's new? Uh, what's, I played a show this last Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I don't play shows that often these days with my surf rock band. But for some reason, in the fall and the winter, like we get picked up for shows a lot more. Mm. You'd think that being a surf rock band, we'd get picked up in the summer. No, because in San Diego, people just actually go surfing. Okay. And listen to rock music. But in the winter, they need they, to be reminded they need of to be summer reminded. past. Yeah. We're not even that summery. That's probably the problem. We're not really a summer surfy band. We're kind of scary surfy, I guess. So we get picked up for the darker shows. But, anyways, we played this show. And I got to say, it was probably the very worst I've ever played at a show in my, really? in my entire life. Wow. I completely forgot to play how to play in an entire song. And what did it, you do? Just stand there? I stood there and tried to find it. Because you are an, an you are the front man for an instrumental band. I'm so the, if you don't know how to play your song, what yeah, do you do? I'm the melody and I couldn't find it. And the band just continued through the whole song and looked at me through their dinosaur ghost mask, like just like You have a microphone up there. Did you think about just running up to the microphone and singing the melody? I couldn't remember the melody is the oh. problem. I couldn't remember how the song went. Which is crazy because I've been playing the same nine songs for six years. <laughs> but then uh, completely screwed up our cover of Push It like a bunch of times. See, dude, that's one where you should have just jumped on the microphone and been like, dun, 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 I played like the, a part too long and another part too short, so I was out of sync with the band. And but then the rest of the band They're was gonna kick you out. Was screwing up too. We all, except for the bassist. Mitch was having a great night. The rest of us just screwed up. Davey, our drummer, yeah, completely sick. We we tried to call in a substitute. What's we, new? We couldn't get one. He was he works with children and yeah. he's just sick all the time. 
poor poor guy <laughs> but he played through a full set completely sick and Jeez. he didn't mess it up as much as i did i'll say that but it was a really good show a fun detail of it that i, I tagged you in a photo of is that i lent the acoustic oh, yeah. 150 yeah. to the bass player and the band after us mm -hmm. and it worked out great which is no surprise when that was that secret samurai or Dekaiju? that was secret samurai i really actually remember them from like a long, I don't remember if we played with them or I would be surprised if we did, but Dinosaur Ghost definitely has. It might be that they, uh, oh, no, no, I'm thinking of, there was a band called Secret Apollo. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, that's a different, that's right. a different organization. Different kind of a secret. Different yeah. secret. And then we also played with Daikaiju, mm -hmm. which is a, uh, a touring popular uh, surf rock band. Surf yeah. rock in air quotes because they're very like metal proggy. Mm hmm. Like a metal proggy take on a surf rock thing. It's it's instrumental. It is surfy, but it's very different. Like they have their own thing going on. Uh, they're touring all the time. It's crazy. But something wild about that is that uh, the guy from the band messaged me. Mm -hmm. and I was like, hey, you want to play this show? I was like, yeah, of course I do. It was super late notice. It was like a week before the show or right. something like that. Right. And uh, then he started talking to me about reverb pedals. And he was like, I watched your videos and I'm trying to decide between these reverb oh pedals. My gosh. I was like, this is weird. Okay, a band that I love playing with and that I admire is like initiating a conversation you're, you're about You're fully in the business of uh you're fully in the music business now. I guess so. I'm an I'm an influencer, you're guys. An influencer. <laughs> That's just a stupid thing to say. <laughs> well, I mean it is, but that's why I always tell say, like, you know, if you guys hear about something on the show the listener like and then you go buy it or you see something in one of our videos and then you go buy it especially if you're buying it online that's our fault we did that and, and there's a comment section be like hey i heard about this or like i liked the 60 cycle hum demo or whatever like let companies know because i because i think that's also important feedback for them because you, because you are doing like so many paid demos right like it's important for the companies to know that, know that they're getting a return that they're actually getting a, a measurable return so not not just theoretical. So back to the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I decided because I've I've played with Daikaiju before. I know how loud they are. They have completely switched over to an all quilter rig for uh -huh. everyone playing strings in the band. So it's three tone blocks, so two hundred watt tone blocks into three four by twelve cabs. Wow. All pretty much turned all the way up, as far as I could tell. Yeah. Like it is a sonic assault on your entire body like mm -hmm. not just your ears so i decided i want to watch these guys tonight i want to hang out i'm gonna man i'm glad i didn't go i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna, I was gonna call up one of my friends and be like hey you want to go to a show i busted out the actual like heroes earplugs it's like i'm not gonna endure like the foam ones like, no not... the one the ones that have like the little plastic center part oh the the those are supposed to be for concerts. That's what I'm saying. Right. But I usually just do toilet paper. Oh. Because I have like small ear holes and it's actually really uncomfortable to wear the heroes. But I didn't want to risk it mm. at all because I knew how bad it was going to be. And I think I kind of screwed my ears up with the heroes because I jammed them in so hard. Oh, yeah. Like it hurts in my ear canal now. And I feel like I've got a little bit of like an outer ear infection because you of it. You should just, um, what you should do is, um, oh man, this would actually would have been a brilliant idea. If anyone out there has suggestions for, uh, for hearing protection, that's good for people with small ear canals. 
comment to me. You should disconnect the cables from your ultimate ears. That would work. Yeah, they're so expensive though. Like if they got messed but the, up. But really, like for you, that's probably actually. I don't think the cables disconnect from those, do they? I thought they did. I don't think they do with mine. I think they're in there. Anyway. I mean, that would it'd be a hard seal, and they're stuck yeah. in there pretty good. Yeah. I just worry if something did go wrong as far as in like falling out and falling on the ground, then I'm never replacing them. I'm never yeah, gonna be able I mean, to and that, afford and to. That's the, and that's the unfortunately, like that's probably the most solid answer is yeah is getting custom but you could get um i wish you could you could get, get an earplug with like a comply foam tip i get a yeah i get a really good seal off foam off of a comply phone tip but then the other issue is the heroes are designed for like hi-fi yeah like they're designed for concerts I, I will say that I whereas could, anything that's like a perfect seal is designed to block yeah. everything i could hear the show very well through the heroes and mm-hmm. it was the this the it cut the volume perfectly it was it was great i wish those things fit my ears yeah these are we're talking about the heroes high fidelity if you buy some from guitar center make sure you tell them 60 cycle home sent you <laughs> yeah when you go up to the desk at guitar center go ahead and name drop us. those were but those were like <laughs> i i think i i think i own like three or four pairs of those scattered around my house because yeah. they're only like 20 bucks 15 20 yeah, bucks. They're not bad and uh they were like a game changer for pl- both playing live shows how hard and- is it for you to get them in they go right in for me. For me, I've got to like unhinge my jaw and and yank the tip of my ear up to get them to go in. Yeah, no, they. I have no problem whatsoever. And they hurt when they're mm. in my ear. I just need to relax, have a glass of wine, loosen up a little bit. And... Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> What's new with you, Steve? <laughs> um, I've been selling more things. So I sold that uh, Invade Invade Up Strat, the seventies uh, reissue, Mexican seventies reissue. They had a scalloping, yeah, the scallop uh, strat. So I sold that to a dude uh, for like three sixty. How long was that on your shelf, Steve? Over ninety days. I think so. Yeah, you lost money, but not not much longer than ninety <laughs> days. Um, so you sold it to a dude. Well, technically, it was never on my shelf because I don't have a shelf. Boom! Yeah. Broke the system. Loophole. <laughs> um so I sold that. Um and then I sold um my fuzz face finally. Dang, you sold that, some uh... that actually was on my shelf. Yeah. On a shelf because it's small. Well it's on your shelf because you want to look at it. You buy a you buy a hand painted fuzz face and you want to put that on display. Yeah. Glass case shelf. Mm, you know? No, it's just stayed in the box so I wouldn't lose it. Put it on top of like a velvet rag so people can really see. It's shimmer in the light. Uh, so I sold that one to a guy in Japan on Reverb. And uh, after Reverb took their fees and the shipping ended up being like, I think $5 more than what I was charging. Um, oh, no, it wasn't $5 more than what I was charging. It was shipping was more because in addition, normally when I ship, I don't pay for uh, signature and whatever, whatever. But in order to get like Reverb seller protection... Uh-huh. I had I just went ahead and paid for it because I don't know, I I just didn't want to do it otherwise. All of the other pedals I've sold to Reverb, I've just shipped like because it was US domestic, so I just shipped it priority, not using Reverb. Anyway, I kind of like tuned you out for a while. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. <laughs> talking about shipping pedals, man. Shipping pedals. Yeah. Well, it's so, good that uh, you got that such stole. It's been on your uh, it's been on your, been on your sell list for a while. Both yeah, of those. yeah, and then uh, and you got that you had that fuzz face when we did the lemon experiment. Yeah, was that this year? I 
think so, but I don't no, really remember. No, because we filmed it before running into the Zvix guys at oh, last that's right. Man. That's right. So you've had that pedal over oh, a year. Wow. It took me a while to get I I I kind of listed it and I listed it very high and I wasn't particularly motivated to sell it quickly and then in the last like few weeks I've been dropping it like 5 or 10 bucks mm-hmm. when I would remember. My so experience I had it listed at like 240 and the guy offered me um to basically I offered it 240 free domestic shipping or $25 international and the guy basically offered me 240 free shipping but for international. So it was like mm. 215 plus the shipping I wanted. It's not bad. Um and then again like after I lost $5 because I underestimated shipping and then I mean you made money on this pedal though. Oh right? yeah, yeah. What I, did you pay I for? I bought it? 100 I bought 100 I spent $130 for it. So. Was there any trade involved or was it just no. 130? And you made money, dude. That's the flip. That's the dream yeah. right there. Took a while, but it's right. Sold it right in time for Christmas. Got a little extra cashola for the Christmas. So nice. Cannot complain about that. Haters will say it's photoshopped. Uh, this <laughs> first ad was sent to us by uh, Stephen Reynolds. It's a Relic Squire Bullet Mustang electric guitar with classic '57 humbucker pickups. It is being sold by Nate's Relic Guitars on Reverb. It actually sold for $429.50 plus $39.50 shipping. Actually, that price is not um that's not the actual sale price. That was the listed price. So it could have yeah, sold, it could have for, sold less. for less. Unless a person offered more. Because they're a crazy person? No, no one would offer more. Yeah, as far as we know, this thing sold for its listing price, which is basically almost five hundred dollars after shipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're looking at here is the same bullet Mustang that I have on the wall behind me. I refinished mine, not like this. Right there. Refinished, anyways. Gold star. Uh, but this is the original color yeah. that you can buy them in. This uh, kind of uh, faded uh, seafoam color. Yeah. Uh, this is this... a 2018 Heavy Relic Fender Squire Mustang electric guitar by Nate Relic Guitars. The beautiful aged surf green finish gives it that vintage look and feel of a road worn. Uh, instrument 22 medium jumbo frets da, 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 da. Um, basically this guy is doing like a fret leveling and crowning and all that good stuff yeah i mean there's a lot uh, of modifications here intonated the pickups have been upgraded to epiphone classic 57 humbuckers that deliver a nice fat vintage tone features a three-way switch volume tone everything works solid base basswood body is it basswood or basswood i, I always wonder that uh, is it the tone or is it the fish Total guitar weight is six and a half pounds. The medium C neck. Da, 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 da. Basically, this guy spent a lot of time finishing, relicking, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, he says, if you're looking for a high quality relic without having to mortgage your home to pay for it, this is it. Durable, buffed and waxed, super slick finish. Comes with plenty of dents, chips, crazing, cracks, blemishes, wear and rust. No case. This new guitar was hand finished for a relic look in our USA North Georgia custom guitar shop. Well, if he doesn't include a case, this thing's going to get dinged. Hmm. Says playing styles vary. You may have to make adjustments to the guitar, like adjusting the neck or bridge to suit your style. Check us out on the web at Nate's Relic Guitars. Shipping costs and selling price are firm. So he apparently did not uh, strike a deal. Um. So uh, a modification that was done to this, which is something I do want to do to my bullet, uh-huh. is that he swapped the pit guard and control plate. Or maybe he didn't. No, he didn't. I'm tripping. No, that's the original. What are you talking about? I thought that maybe he had put in uh, an actual Mustang 
pick guard and control plate, but now looking at it, no, this is this is the original one because the actual ones are different. You see, there there's a curve in this one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The actual ones are a point. So the if you upgrade oh, yeah, one, yeah, you I have know, to upgrade the other, where it doesn't fit right. So yeah, he didn't use the original pick guard. That's interesting. It looks like he did some kind of sandblasting or something on the hardware. Yeah, as well. it's all like it's all like uh like matted like a matte. How uh, do you feel about him removing the Squire brand from the headstock? Um, because he took this down to blank wood and then did all sorts of relicking around on it. That looks a little. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest about this relic job. It looks it looks fake to me, but then it also looks attractive. And right f- and fun in its own way but you look at the close-up pictures and it looks like a completely fake relic like this there's no way any of this would pass as real wear uh-huh. it looks like the disney pirates of the caribbean version oh, of, a, of a relic that's guitar. A, that's actually a really great comparison i think it looks like a prop right from like an amusement yeah. park ride yeah uh what's interesting to me actually is with all of the wear to the body uh it i feel like it makes the um the sandblastingness of the hardware look out of place hmm. because I feel like it should look like very destroyed. It should look more corroded instead of just matte. Yeah. Like I lo- like that matte finish. Look, oh though. yeah. No, no. I, I don't think that looks I don't think really, it's a bad look. There's a lot of great aesthetic decisions here on this relic, yeah. despite the fact that it doesn't look like an authentic relic. It's way too over the top and it's way too like cartoonish in a way. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of great aesthetic choices here. Like the matte finish, like kind of brushed nickel look that the hardware has in these photos now is very classy looking. I, I would love to have a guitar that was themed this way. Um, I like the like temperature cracking job he did on this. Obviously, yeah. he, he must have attacked this with a razor because you're never going to get temperature cracks out of the original poly finish on these. Right. Um, and then he probably, you know hit it with shoe polish or something like that. The thing that's always funny to me with these kinds of jobs is you look how relic everything is and how beat up everything is. And then you see the shot of the fretboard and the nut and they're just pristine. Right. <laughs> like even the back of the neck is, is roughed up and relic. Well, but... the back of the neck is done is relic in the way that like a lot of higher end. Yeah. They, brands like, are doing like, they like... did like the steel wool treatment on the back of the yeah. neck. But he also re- he put, he put like a butterscotch finish over the original finish on this to get this tint. You know, so I'm one of the things that I guess this is coming up on is that this is what a hundred and forty nine dollar guitar, something like brand that. brand new, yeah, brand new. Obviously, he's saying it sold for like four thirty plus shipping. Um, and I mean, like, you know, obviously a lot of work went into it, and there's that question of like, can you really justify? paying an extra $300 or something that, yeah, it's labor, but it like, I think it's end, amazing that he was able to cut a profit on I, this. I'm not a big Mustang fan. If you, but if you search for like relic Squire on reverb, you'll find some other guitars from him. There are actually a, a number of people selling relic Squires on, um, on reverb. I mean, if you're going to build a business of relicing guitars, like you might as well cut your teeth doing it on Squires. Yeah. I mean, they're, uh, they're playable guitars. And they're affordable. So this one I'm looking at, I go like, eh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's really for me. Um, but there is a Fiesta Red Squire Bullet Telecaster Uh-oh. <laughs> on Humbucker. Uh, this one's actually been 
set up for does it have a strat pickup in the neck steve it doesn't it has a it doesn't it has a humbucker in the neck and he's put a rail humbucker in the bridge okay um but this thing looks show me super cool uh let me find like let me find the shot that was like why does the internet in the garage suck so i don't so know much? man it's not but that's like the excuse me that's like that's your one. style man yeah, and it's like I said, it's Fiesta Red, which kind of looks like mine. Same tinting finish on the neck and the headstock that's on this Mustang here. Yeah, it's the same. It's the whole same deal. This looks more legit to me though, because it's like the paint looks thinner. Like you look at if it'll load this shot, you look how paper thin the paint is. Like that looks right. like that looks like paint that would relic. The paint on the Mustang, uh, uh here you have the white layer is way too thick it looks like freaking cake frosting the way it's chipped off on the edges yeah well it's like what it is is um because on this you have uh, the like white a white layer underneath uh-huh the, i mean whatever squire that is that's red that's mm-hmm. relic there whatever it started out as that's a a uh, squire to relic because that paint is so thin. yeah i'm actually surprised that paint is so thin yeah, I don't know. It, it says it's a Fiesta Red Squire Bullet Telecaster. I didn't even. I don't know what colors they make squires in. Don't ask me things like that. <laughs> I, I mean, still everything in this last picture here that shows all like a bunch of examples of his work. They're all way over the top. They're all cartoonish examples of relicking. Uh, but I think they're totally valid instruments as far as like using an instrument as a stage prop. Yeah, where it's like you want to look. This gives you the look. The vast majority of your audience is are not going to be connoisseurs of guitar relicking, and you know, Cindy in the third row at your you know at outdoor stadium show. Good old Cindy in the third row. Yeah, right next to to Brandon. Neither of them are going to know that that's not a vintage oh, guitar. Know. They're not going to know that this not some well worn, super aged classic guitar. They're going to see it and like get that impression because they're not musicians. They're just fans of music. Right. You know, right. They're going to think that you actually played this guitar. They're probably not even going to think about it. Even though you're, they're not, they're going to look at it and go like, you're 30, but somehow you've been playing that guitar for 70 years. Did you steal that guitar from an old man? (laughs) Did you touch an old? (laughs) What, What is that? Is that from something? Did you touch an old? Sounds like a pop culture reference, Steve. I don't know what you're referencing. Neither do I. <laughs> Should we move on to Let's the do it. top hick? Mystery stalking. Yeah, everyone got their mystery stalking. Before, you know... It feels like we're kind of late to the game with this. I'm sure other podcasts have covered it, but uh, we have more listeners in those podcasts probably. Yeah, so suck, suck it. it. <laughs> um Speaking of people receiving things, I think pretty much everyone should have received their 50-50 by now as well. Yeah, I think so. Everyone last week was posting their uh, their photos of the, only pers- the notes that we left on the The only lid. person I can think of who may have not is one of our guys that is uh, who comes from the land down under. Oh, uh, yeah. Antarctica. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I saw this <laughs> map the other day that was... Uh, uh, it was a map of, it was like basically a Mercator projection type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't a Mercator Here we go, projection. geography podcasting. Um, but it was a, instead of being an equator-centric map, it was an Antarctica-centric map. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was cool. 
super weird. Yeah. But that would be crazy. Also cool. Yeah. Have you ever seen the maps that are Australia centric where it's like they flip it and Australia is in the northern hemisphere? No. They're fun. That sounds yeah like a thing I need to know about. Have you seen the uh, the big stink that uh, Reese Darby is on? Oh, that uh, New like Zealand gets New left Ze- off of every New map. New Zealand gets left off of a bunch of maps. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just on the edge, and they're like, "Well, Australia's there. We're close enough." It's yeah, like, we yeah. don't need to print an extra thing that's just hanging off the edge. Well, so I was thinking about. It, I was like, "Well, it kind of like makes sense with like." Um, I mean, New Zealand wood doesn't carved, even exist. They just made it up for TV like and movies carving anyways. things and whatever, like wood carved maps. Yeah. But then when I see like printed maps or I'm like, oh yeah. And you it's know, just the, empty space, man. They just bought that map graphic off of iStock or something like that. Like where's yeah. New Zealand? Come on guys. <laughs> so it's great. You know what it is, is like the Hobbit movies really were like, okay, but not that great. And the, the, the novelty of them is gone. So they need a new thing to get New Zealand. Like they need a new epic adventure. Yeah. Come explore the country. That's not even on the map. We just fixed it. New Zealand. Thank us later. Take us on a trip with you. Reese Darby. I want to be your best friend. Oh man. Um, so back to the topic yeah. at hand. <laughs> so every year from your guitar, Road does a mystery stocking. Uh, this year, the price went up to $40. What was it before? $30. That's a big price increase. Uh, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a ten dollar price increase price increase (laughs) um and uh uh i got it i got a mystery stocking i didn't even try this and my wife got a mystery stocking damn dude next i didn't know your wife was into buying uh like guitar gear that she didn't know it was gonna be Uh, she's not our credit card information was saved to the computer so i just did it oh i see so you autofill for the win hey next year uh, send me your credit card information i'll buy one for me with your credit card too yeah steve i'm just gonna give you my credit card information yeah right Mm -hmm. steve's gonna gonna steal my identity Actually, I, I thought about it. I was like, I could have bought another one with my, with my debit card. I could have bought one with my debit card, one with my credit card, one with my wife's credit and card. none of them would have been worth it. Maybe one of them would have. So I mean, anyway, I got... I don't t- think I saw anyone post a mystery stocking that was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you got a guitar or like a thing or... Yeah, actually, I haven't, seen, were, I haven't seen anything big. Um, all the ones that I saw were like, I got a strap, got a cable, got a pack of strings, got like... A guitar pick. One of our listeners got um, a pedal. Uh, I think it was a Big Muff. Well, I remember like three like hundred dollar Big Muff. Oh yeah, and then someone and got then, the vocoder. Yeah, someone got the vocoder. One I of mean, those are good gifts. One of our listeners got a Sewer or Sure Guitars uh, Thornbucker. They're gonna pronounce them Sewer. It should be spelled Sewer. Yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, I should watch one of their videos, like I did for Diodario or Diodario. Diodario. It's very important for you to get that particular company name right, Steve. Dario. Why can't they just change their string strings to be Planet Wave strings? That's so much <laughs> easier to say. <laughs> Let's save that criticism for another year. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so the first box I got uh, was actually both boxes, I will say, were kind of a bummer. You spent eighty dollars. Uh, eighty dollars. You got two boxes of bummer. I got two boxes of bummer. That's but every year. It seems like the same thing, and I'm, I never feel like, gosh, I wish I'd done it. I wish I'd finally pulled the trigger and my, gotten the stocking. My first year's box was good. Well, I feel like like three or four years ago, like there were a bunch of people like got guitars. No, I or think got like it, bunches of pedals. But and that's stuff the thing like is, that. I think it's just a crapshoot. Like I bet if if 
You went on a bigger. Nah, I think it's too popular. I think they 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 thinned it out. You I think, think they, they thinned it out. I think they sold more stockings and had the same amount of loot, and so they thinned it out. I mean, and they te- charged more money. Technically, too. I did get forty dollars worth of stuff because the fender For MSRP because the fender clip-on tuner is like fifteen bucks on yeah. Amazon, and the packs of strings are like. Six or seven dollars a piece, and blah blah blah. Whatever. Here's the thing, though. The it, biggest problem with the strings is like one of the packs I got was electric nines, and the only thing I, the only use I have for nines is I put them on guitars that I'm trying to sell because they're like doll like, hair. It makes them easier to like play. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, it makes them feel faster. And if people like pick Steve's it, it's a freaking manipulative seller. Dude, over this here. is what this is how you make it work. <laughs> Plus, I don't play nine, so I don't have any other use for them. I'm yeah. not going to put my good strings on there. I'm not going to put my D'Addario strings on there, man. Those are the strings I want to use for my personal guitars. Steve, save it for when we're making money. <laughs> <laughs> I, by, at this point, we should just spill the beans and say that. Uh, Is that, it official? Have you signed? No, I haven't. I wanted you to look at look over the, oh, the dude, contract. Tadario's uh, planning on on sponsoring all of 2019 with us, so we're excited about that, and that's what we're yeah. teasing. Uh, so. Big thanks to those guys. It's exciting to have uh, a company that's that recognizable and that huge uh, take notice of us and want to make us part of their advertising plan. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so so uh, one of the boxes, both of them came with varying amounts of bummer. Um, <laughs> Is that the episode title? I, I did get two. <laughs> I did get two packs of acoustic strings that I will use. I did get uh, one pack of electric strings that I think are tens. So I'll probably get some use out of those. Um, the Fender clip-on tuners, both of them are now attached to in my acoustic guitar cases. So if I ever actually play acoustic guitar again, those will get used. I used to make fun um, of the clip-on tuners, but I've been using a Snark around here for demo stuff, and it's super convenient. Yeah, yeah. As long as I don't lose it, as long as I make sure that I know where it is, like it's for like recording stuff, it's way more convenient for me to slap that on there and tune really quick than to hook up a tuner with an extra patch cable and power to it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, I had, I got a, I got like both boxes just had uh, different cables in them. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with, like, I don't, I don't know what You're to do. You're a sinusoid like, boy. No, right? Like, why are these guys, why do they think I want cables? So I got a B, BPTA, whatever cable. And I got one of those square plug cables, but I don't, it's like not, it doesn't say who it's from. Right, right. Uh, and then in my other box, I got a set of reverb pancakes, like a three pack of reverb pancakes. Um, I've I got, I don't know what, I don't recall what else I got, but basically I added it up and both of mine were the, more like the bare minimum boxes. Yeah. Um, I've got like 60 foot. Oh, I got an earthquake or comic book. I need to read that still. I picked that one of those up for free from nam i probably have another one yeah. somewhere. um wait is it the same one octoscull yeah oh i think they were planning on doing a bunch of those and they only did one edition or something like that who knows if they ever put out more um what was it? oh i've got 60 feet of cable upstairs in my <laughs> office that doesn't have jacks on it they were cables that failed on me and way, oh, be- way, just... way before we had Sinusoid as a sponsor, I had it in my head that I was going to cut it down and make new cables out of it and just find the dead spots. Mm. Um, and I never got around to it. And I almost threw it all away the other day. I'm looking at it. I'm like, there's got to be some sort of like creative craft thing I can do 
with just like random cable as rope or something like can i like build can i like weave a belt out of it or something oh my gosh or do really weird like shoelaces with it i don't know like there's got to be can i can i wrap it around like a a handle for grip oh i got a beer koozie for a company i've never heard of great steve yeah I saw it was so bad that I saw someone else post theirs and they got a Martin guitars beer koozie. And I was like a little bit jealous. Do you ever use a beer koozie? Um, Cause that's like a, a really while. popular like handout merch thing. Besides this like Yeti one I have here that actually keeps the beer cool. Yeah. I never use like the foam koozies, but I always feel bad throwing, throwing them away. I somewhere have a Wampler beer koozie that I was using for a while. Uh, the biggest issue is that I very rarely just drink straight out of the bottle or out of the can. Like here's I, the thing, when I drink out of a can, it's gone like that. When I drink like out it, of, there's no point putting it in a koozie. I'm right. going to be putting it in the trash half in the like a minute I, and a half. Half the time I'm drinking out of a can, it's like a tall boy. So a lot of times, I guess a tall boy is still the same profile. So that will when I'm drinking, I just don't really drink out of bottles. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Should we move on? Yeah. Let's do another uh, another ad here, oh, Steve. Maybe we should do our sponsor spots, Ryan. You want to do sponsor spots already? This is the time that okay, we normally do, do sponsor I mean, spots. If you insist, This week's Steve. episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. I did not look up what Sinusoid did. They made cables, oh, Steve. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they make cables and smiles. That's I'm right. I'm cradling the logo right here in my hands. Ryan and I are sitting further apart, so we have more room for activities. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Sinusoid has a custom shop. Basically, if you have an idea that you want and you're like, huh, this isn't on their website, but maybe I want it like, I don't know, like a snaky thing for your in-ear monitors yeah, or like a MIDI cable or a MIDI quarter-inch combo or I don't know, whatever. Say you want a cable that has a quarter-inch plug on each side for your guitar, uh, an eighth-inch plug for your headphones on each side for your in-ear monitors to run to vocal processors on your board and a cable for a super Nintendo controller. I bet they could work that super Nintendo controller into that tech flex and have a super Nintendo snake going on. One, two, three, agree with me. I feel like that would have to be, <laughs> I, I feel like if it's going to involve um, snake, it would have to be a play, uh, Sony product. Or PlayStation. Is there a snake thing that I'm not picking uh, up? Anyway, here? this episode is also brought to you by Gun Street Wiring Shop. We didn't Shop. do the thing. We didn't do the oh, thing. Yeah, Sinusoid.com. Uh, they make cables. And smiles. All right. This episode is also brought to you by Gun Street Wiring Shop. Uh, if you've got a guitar that you want to change your wiring up because maybe it's crapping out or maybe whatever, and you just don't want to deal with soldering like 12 points, you really only want to solder like two or maybe four points, maybe six. I had to solder six. Um, Hit up Gun Street Wiring Every Shop. Every pot has three points on it that you can solder, not including all the grounding that you have to do. You get a. Four. You sound so sad when you. No, I'm saying, like, I'm saying, like, I'm saying, like, not sad, like pathetic, but like the sound that's coming out of your voice is like when you're talking about it. It's like you're getting sad. I'm get I I'm get sad when I think about wiring up my SG again, yeah. and I get happy when I think about the fact that I don't have to ever again. That's right. But I've been talking to Gun Street about coming up with a wiring harness for the uh, Epiphone Les Paul SL. Mm, uh, right. Because it's going to need some crazy stuff to be a pickup testing guitar, which I'm outfitting it to be. 
uh, something that was pointed out to me was that if I'm testing pickups, I'm going to need a different pot value for single coils versus humbuckers. Yeah. So I've been talking to Gun Street about what that means and what we need for that pit guard for this guitar to work mm-hmm. to its fullest as a pickup tester. You also need a, a jazz master rhythm circuit for in case you test any jazz master pickups. I think we'll just fudge it on the jazz masters and not worry about building in a rhythm circuit. All right, Gun- just to test a jazz master pickup every once in a while. Yeah. So uh, Gun Street Wiring Shop, what's their URL? Do you know? Uh, Gun Street Wiring Shop dot com i believe so go check them out um, i hope steve puts the link down below i always put the link in the description of the episode I'll, well that would be where down below is right on youtube i guess it's down below on the description too the down below it's still it's kind of off the to the side on itunes i don't know is it yeah it's not below unless oh, maybe i don't on a phone. use itunes i'm thinking of on a phone you're thinking of on a phone yeah okay all right this next ad was sent in by tim green this is a 70s grand guitar company guitar from Nagoya, Japan. Excellent worksmanship and sound. Spruce top, rosewood back and side. Back is three-piece. Herringbone dreadnought. Has a second patented sound hole near the bridge. Signed by builder Matsuo Ito. This guitar was for domestic sale in Japan, hence the elaborate pearl inlay. Some fret wear and some dings. Keys have wear, but work fine. No warpage in body or neck. I, I realize that's warpage, but I kept reading it as warpage. Like, hey, why not? Um, action is great. Comes with hard shell. You pick up. No delivery. Cash only. Ch- no checks or money orders. No trades. Nigerian scammers need not apply. What? Price is $400. That's Burn. discriminatory. What does this guitar make you feel? I. F- it's got this little hole. It's got a big hole. It's a guitar with a big hole, but okay. it's also got a little hole. What is the purpose of this patented second sound hole? Is it, we're looking at an acoustic dreadnought guitar here. This got your normal acoustic sound hole. And then it's got this little hole that's like being overlapped by the bridge almost. Like the, the, the binding I mean, the, the detail bind, the around bone, the hole. Yeah, the herringbone detail is. Is being overlapped by the bridge. You got this little hole that... It doesn't even cross all the way underneath all the strings. It's only underneath the middle four strings. Yeah. I don't know what to make of this. Like, I I guess I could get the concept of like, oh, this little hole lets a different set of frequencies through or something like that, or lets it breathe a little yeah, better. Yeah, you know, for know. that when you mic it, right? But it kind of just looks like this guitar has a glory hole. <laughs> Wow. But like the strings are totally going to get in the way of any kind of normal glory hole activities. I, I'm baffled. I don't know, man. Cause I think, I'd think that you'd want to have more wood around the bridge to catch more vibrations from the bridge to spread them around the guitar more. So you're getting more vibration off the soundboard. Yeah. I, I mean like putting a hole that close to the bridge just seems like you're going to be cutting into your resonance there's no explanation of this except that it's patented okay then i won't steal it yeah (laughs) you know it's not i mean if it was supposed to be if this was supposed to be a hole for a dick it wouldn't be under the strings because those strings get in the way of that we'll just say that so this is not i'm just gonna i'm just gonna put it out there i'm gonna just say i don't think this holes for dicks great (laughs) 
I don't know what what purpose it because it's you know it makes sense on like the Tacoma guitars or whatever where they have the top yeah like, on the side sound hole so you can like hear yourself better uh-huh or whatever but also it leaves like that big piece of wood around the bridge oh, intact yeah. so that the the soundboard can you know be activated by the resonance of your playing i don't get this at all but i kind of i kind of like the look of the little hole in relation to the size of the big hole and the extra herringbone around it uh-huh this I is like liked, a, this is like an execution nine and a purpose one. I want to see this hole in a different place. I think it would look really classy if this hole was in the middle of the pit guard, like cut through the pit guard, and then it would be so much easier to drop your pick into the guitar. <laughs> or it could be like ovation style, where it's up on the upper bout or something right, like that. Right. Or it could be uh, there's the guitars now that have an extra sound hole on the actual top edge of the guitar that faces you. So you can hear it more and it doesn't cut into the soundboard at all. It's a goofy concept. Yeah. I, I just can't figure out what this is for. Obviously this is a 40 ish year old guitar. So it looks like a documentation. It looks like you sur- surprised a Cyclops. Like, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Whoa. <laughs> You're not going to be able to unsee that. <laughs> I will if I have a few more of these. Um, yeah, man, I don't, I just don't get it. Steve was referencing his beer for the listeners um, at home. $400. Um, I'm going to take a pass on this. Yeah, $400 and no way unless uh, I can put my dick through that hole. <laughs> what's wrong with you i don't know man it's your show (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's an excellent point ryan (laughs) i'm just the other host i'm just teasing you man steve steve did a call for topics on the group today and what, how did you phrase it? You're I said like, I'm recording an episode of my podcast tonight. But you leaned into my podcast. I did not lean. I just said my podcast. I'm recording my podcast tonight. Well, it was a weird way to say it on the group. For, said I'm recording my podcast tonight with your podcast with Ryan. What are things do you want us to talk about? We got crap topics from the group too. I don't think we're using anything from the from that call out tonight or next week a bunch of garbage people hey guys if you're going to give us topics almost three give us, give us something that we can work with or don't even try it almost all. three thousand people in that group can't even get one good well topic. to be fair you didn't pin the uh post to the top oh come on it was active it was always it was getting bumped to the top all day long <laughs> all right this next topic was an old topic sent by aviv chetrit Chitrit? Sure, why not? Chitrit? Uh, he wants to know what we think about pedal switchers and whether or not we think they're useful. Uh, yeah, the exact quote is thoughts on pedal switchers and their usefulness. Did you, did you ever feel a need? I found a pedal switcher. Yeah, that's my uh, switchblade. Is, by... is it useful? Yeah, I use that all the time. We have a pedal switcher and it is useful. It's a short topic. All right. Do you ever... Here, let me see that thing. Do you ever... Uh, find yourself needing a switcher or a looper or anything like that or i've thought about getting excuse me man i've thought about getting like a true bypass looper or something um 
I haven't thought about it in a while, actually, but I've thought about it before. How long do you think? Um, years? Yeah, I have been thinking about it for years. Mm. Um, but how how long is it since you've thought of it? Oh, like months. Months. So the tip of his brain. True. He's always thinking about it months at a time. So what were what are your thoughts on it? Like, how would you use a switcher? I don't know. I just don't need it. Like that's oh, the you thing. don't need I, it at all. So my original thought was I would just have it to like bypass my entire pedal board, so I could just oh. like go full clean, go full clean, and like not have to turn things off, mm-hmm. or maybe like bypass like entire sections of my board, like maybe not the entire board, but like sure, like like bypass the entire like mod section exactly, or the entire time section. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's all these. I see people's boards that have like these mega loopers, you know, all these different channels of looping and stuff like that. And like there was that, that boss looper super programmable thing that goes crazy and has all the stuff built into it. (laughs) I just don't feel like I ever need anything that intense. Like when I'm changing pedals that are active on my board while I'm playing it, yeah, I might change two or three at a time, but that's only two or three foot presses. Mm -hmm. And I like to combine those pedals in like infinite order. Right. Where sometimes one is on, sometimes two are on, sometimes <laughs> three are on and in, in, in different combinations. Like I'd hate to like, I kind of like my boards to be kind of free form and just go mm-hmm. and not have to worry like, Oh, did I program a patch in my looper so that I can activate these three pedals right now? I'm sure there's like a master bypass. Oh, sure. And I'm sure like on any of these programmable loopers, you could do one loop that has everything open and then you can just turn it all on. But then a lot of them, like you're programming the routing too, where you can change the position of things in your pedal board. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like a way to needlessly complicate something that's a little bit too complicated already. Um, what I do, use, what does your, okay. So you, this is what you use. I use this switchblade for demo stuff so that I can split to both my amps. Uh-huh. Um, cause I like to run two amps at a time and I've been using it for dinosaur ghosts cause I've been running two amps at a time for that. I, I beam one amp across the stage because, uh, the big amp beams through my legs basically. And I don't hear it very well. And I end right. up turning it up too loud and torturing everyone in the audience and my band at the same time. They deserve it. So beaming a second amp across the stage to my ear helps me take care of that. And right. this is an easy way to split the signal. Couldn't you just like get a tilt back stand? For the acoustic 150? Yeah. I mean, I guess I could, but then it's also like that amp does carry the vast majority of the volume for the venue when I'm playing. Hmm. So it's like if I do the side amp, I use the katana on the side. Right. It doesn't have to be super loud because it's, gotcha. it's beamed right at me. Um yeah, I use this, um, and it's really just a utility thing for me where it doesn't even need to live on a board. And I think, like, it would be fun if there were some more options. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need... Well, like, what other options would you Like, s- sometimes, like, I'm doing a demo. Okay. Like, I'm I'm going to, like, put together, like, an ideal switcher for me in my head here to solve more problems for me. Right. As far as like my demo rig goes. Um, sometimes I'm doing like a comparison video between two dirt pedals, like say two big muffs or something like uh-huh. that. And I'm always like, I have to give a disclaimer, like, listen, I know these are running into each other and I know buffers can do different things and stuff like that. But for purposes of comparison, this is just what we're going to do right now. Right. Like if, like if I had 
a switcher. Can't you do that with that, this though? No, because I'm running into two amps for my rig. If I had a switcher that allowed me to do the ABY that this does, mm-hmm. and would also oh, allow right, yeah. and also have like two loops in it, just so I could do comparisons, right? Like that would be super convenient. And like, say I put this on a board where like I can have a couple things connected to it for utilitarian sake during demo stuff. Like I could yeah. connect a tuner. Like this has a tuner in or out on it. Yeah, right. But I don't know if it's buffered or anything like that. Like a buffered tuner out would be good. And then like does a tuner out work when uh I don't know, I've never when tested it's not it. Plugged into power. Yeah, this thing I don't even run it plugged into power because it only needs power for the LEDs. So like a buffered tuner thing so I don't have to worry about the tuner uh-huh. uh interrupting the signal at all. And then some kind of like I know that volume pedals can kind of mess with the signal too. Right. Like something to handle so that. You want like, like its own loop for a volume pedal. Yeah, like a volume pedal loop or however that works. I don't know how that stuff works, but like so that I can use a volume as a master control to turn stuff on and off, to have a tuner running the whole time when I'm doing my demo rig and have maximum two loop channels. I don't need more than two loop channels. Like this, because <laughs> right. then I'm running freaking four cables to run two pedals. Yeah. Yeah. Four extra cables. Like, I don't want to go crazy with this. This rig's going to be on the floor and my pedals are going to be on the tabletop. And then, man, I don't know what else to add to it. Maybe just like a boost. Like, say if I'm running something in the loop that uh, doesn't hit unity gain or something like uh-huh. that, and I can, or it gets too loud, I can turn it down. Oh, yeah. Or also just like having a boost in there if you wanted to use it, if you wanted a little more live versatility. Yeah, yeah. Got a boost there. If you already have a boost, you, you're, you can remove that and just use this boost. I mean, all those, like, it's ridiculous, like, all those things. Right. And once, but it's like, I think that's part of the reason why a lot of loopers just don't look attractive to me. They don't have enough. And the switchers, like, it's like, it solves a problem, but then it solves that problem too much and it doesn't right. solve all my other problems. Right. <laughs> it sounds like I really just need to put together a little board that has solutions for all this stuff. Hmm. Uh, but it'd be more convenient if someone listening to this would just put together what I just said. I don't like to invite that sort of thing. So don't do it. Um, I'm tired of inspiring stuff to get built that I didn't, <laughs> that I didn't have to demo and promote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. That's just like me pulling stuff off the top of my head, like mm-hmm. things I could use, like a utilitarian switching, looping sort of thing. But otherwise, I don't have use for most of like the loopers or switches that are on the market these days. Yeah, a lot of them. That was are, just a bunch of conceptual a diarrhea lot of them are just either, flowing either out of like me. this kind of thing where it's pretty simple, or like I know that there's also a, like with this a, the company Laley has yeah. a has a, a bunch of different loopers. With this, and then like, you just get into like the heavy digital, like the ESA kind of from like Boss spaceship or like, controllers. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, like if I turn down one amp and the other amp is still on, it will do a bleed through from amp to amp oh. too. So if there was some sort of way to isolate the ABY mm-hmm. so that there's no bleed over, yeah, that would be ideal for me. I mean, I know it's a tall order, all this stuff. Would you ever want a, a pedal switcher, looper, whatever thing that also had like a load box in it so you could switch cabinets? That would be crazy. 
I mean, there's so much stuff. I can't even keep track in my mind of all the stuff that I just said. But yeah, <laughs> I guess like a load box switcher built into it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's like a realistic. No, I think that's thing. extra crazy. You, I, you know, I can use this because it's actually a passive signal, right? To switch cabs, and I have done it in the, in the past. The only reason there's a power plug is for the LEDs for the indicators, which are not connected to the signal at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we want to jump on to is the that it? last? So ad? you're saying switchers? Switchers are okay, but well, they're not s- useful for you because the ones, the one that you want, doesn't exist. Basically, okay. And if it does, it probably lives in Tahiti. All right. You catch that reference? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I just don't really want to ask you if you would travel the whole wide world to find a freaking looper. No, I wouldn't. All right. I wouldn't. You know that song was like re like covered and put out recently for yes. a part of was it on a part of a movie soundtrack or something? Um uh well it was covered. It's an old punk rock song. Yeah, no, I know. And then I thought the cover was a, stupid because it sounds exactly like the yeah, original. There's, it was pointless. There's a a Will Ferrell movie where he learns to play guitar right, and But he that sings movie's that from like ten years ago. I know. I know. I but own people, that movie. People who are listening to the song that's come out on the radio, most of them are younger and didn't see that movie. I just thought and they're there not was aware like, of the origins of that. Song. I just thought there was like maybe another. I'm barely aware of the origins that of that song. Out. All right, because uh, someone said this is a good song and I should cover it, and they'll make a bunch of money, and the the plan works. I mean, maybe the plan works. Uh, so this last ad, we're at the last ad, guys. Hope you've enjoyed listening so far. Don't be sad. We'll be back next week. If you haven't enjoyed listening so far, you've hung in there a while. Yeah. Thanks to you. I'm proud of you, Chief. Um, 1962, Epiphone Wiltshire. You wanted to do this one, and I I'm, do. I, I'm waiting for the payoff. I want to see what Steve is bringing to the table. $8,000. Damn. $8,000 is mint condition, so make a reasonable offer on my 1962 Epiphone I, this guy says Wiltshire over and over again because I guess he couldn't take the ten the ten seconds to look it up and see that it was Wilshire. Anyway, the last year they made this dual horn beauty without offset. Are they offset in like sixty three? I don't feel like that's a thing, but all right. The case was brought, was bought with the guitar. I played this in the Apostles in the sixties in Southeast Michigan, sharing the stage with Cream, Airplane, Seeger, Nugent. Scott Richard Case, Rationals, Charging Rhino of Soul, and others coming to A2 from Texas. Uh, whatever that means. Yeah, so this is the offset version. There's a lower, there's a oh, shorter, lower horn. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I like earlier. I like the uh, the symmetrical version. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Um, it has a humbucker in the lead position. I have all the original parts that can be reinstalled if wanted. There is also a voicing module in it that gets some wild sounds. It can be set to zero with the tone pot, and the tuners are okay, but not a modern high-ratio brand. The 1960s hippy-dippy blacklight glow decals can be removed if desired. Uh, where, uh, I will advise any purchaser how to do this or can do this before it's shipped. Include strap locks and carve-in wide strap. Write me for details. It could use fret work. I have some fret wire that I was going to install and will ship it with the instrument. Make a reasonable offer. I reserve the absolute power to not accept any offer for this rare bird. I want to go to someone who will value its history and ultra playability to and above the 12th fret. It weighs about 7.75 pounds and with the case about 20 pounds. Ensure a final shipping weight when packed properly. No agents or third-party intermediaries. Pay by money order or cashier's checks. All that slick stuff. 
You can buy a money order, pay to yourself, and cash it where we meet at a bank. And then pay me in cash. Perhaps How wiring a bank might work, or PayPal, or Square Register. We'll have to check this out. Want us both protected. If you write something stupid, you will not be answered and blocked if possible. Thank you. Um. So the whole thing with this is... Yes, there is one Did of these. Did he play with yes? There is. You would think so. <laughs> um, there is one of these listed on Reverb for like $9,000 in Dead Mint. Yeah. Um, there's ones from like. Maybe, Have you ever played maybe, one of these? Maybe it's a different body shape. I'm not sure, but there's a couple more that are like around 6,000, 6,500. Have you ever but played one be, of these original ones? I have not. I played one at Buffalo Brothers one time, and they're great. The vintage ones are fantastic. I would I would super love to own one of the original. So I I know the the price on these has like gone super up. But this thing too. is is not mint at all. This has like random knobs attached to it, like just pots glued onto the surface. And I, yeah, weird. Or or maybe that's the tone circuit. I think that's the tone circuit. There's three of them that I can count. Yeah. With there, I have no idea how those are hacked in there, but they it looks like it's probably damaged the guitar yeah. okay there's eight, eight, awful stickers all over this yeah eight thousand dollars is mint condition what is a reasonable offer for this oh man i mean he claims he can re- remove the stickers i honestly wonder how it'll look with the stickers removed like how much of like of like a sun bleaching effect is there gonna be there's no way that this even if the all the stickers were put on and it was thrown in a case there's no way that those stickers did not jack with the finish and if those stickers are as old as they look meaning that they look like they're at least from the 70s yeah the the adhesive from those stickers has permanently done things with the finish underneath yeah. like what? you're gonna know that there was something on top of this guitar no matter what you do like this is you'd have to pay big money to like refin this in the correct way yeah um what do you think this has got some kind of top loading floyd rosie looking thing well, on i it? think that's just a tunable stop tail which is bizarre because it has a bridge on it like it's a tunable what that is 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 one of those drop-in bridges for guitars that have a wraparound stop tail yeah so that you can have intonation but he's already got a tunomatic on there so this thing's double intonated because who knows why. But it looks like it's supposed to be that way. It it looks like it's designed to like retrofit a Floyd Rose. It's not a it's not a trim. It's not a trim, but I'm saying it looks like it's designed to have like a double locking system, but obviously micro, it's there are micro, locking. There are micro tuners on the back yeah. end of it, but that's a that's an intonation thing where you're controlling how long it's not inton- it's like resonance how long the string behind the saddle is for people who want to get super tweaky i everything. would need it really explain to me the point of that because it just seems it's like dumb. an extra tuner for it's no an extra reason. it's an extra dumb thing this guy's asking eight thousand dollars and someone's probably I, gonna comment I, I could and tell s- us the actual reason that thing exists and i probably got it wrong and f- fine great good you did it um i feel like i would have trouble also this this humbucker pickup looks like it's off of a univox high flyer it does that is um, definitely a high flyer pickup if i would have that. trouble i think if i was like really looking for a this this is the guitar where if I was really looking for a okay. 1962 Epiphone Wilshire for a deal for a deal I might that's a good point offer this dude like two thousand dollars 
Yeah, that, which is like half the value of what I think I would score one for. That was like rough, a little rough. That feels like the number that I wanted because to I think, like I said, like I looked at Reverb. There's a minty one for nine thousand. There's a few others that kind of fall in the four to six thousand dollar range. If this guy wants to get even close to the prices that people are asking for minty ones, he needs to do a bunch of work on his own before he lists it. So it's not going to fly as it is now. Right. So I guess the other question is, um, how, how much would super rich Steve pay for this? Oh, I just pay $8,000 and then I burn it in the guy's driveway. <laughs> this seems to be your go-to. I'd smash move. it and then I would burn it. <laughs> now what you do is you walk in and you look at it and you play with it a little bit and you'd be like, how much do you want for this again? And you'd be like, oh, I want like $8,000. And then you would smash it like in his house, through his TV, through his windows, like against his furniture, just destroying his house. And then look at him be, when you're done, like just frothing at the mouth and heaving and catching your breath. And be like, how much now? And, <laughs> and he'll look at you and be like, I'm going to call the police. And then you just pull a blank check out of your coat pocket and you throw it behind you as you walk out the door. Here's what I do with this. Here's what Super Rich Steve does with this. Super receives pretends to be a huge fan of the apostles in the sixties. Was that his, this guy's band? I just, okay. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe in Southeast Michigan, like this was a band that meant something. Okay. But like, I just can't imagine like I played this guitar with your favorite band in the early two thousands, sharing the stage with my chemical romance and Cypress Hill. Right. Those things are true. None of our instruments are worth anything more because that's true. <laughs> no, the, the what whole, does that even mean? The whole premise of this guy's value of this guitar is completely off base and completely whack. Just because he played with people and he has good memories of playing this guitar with those people, like not with those people, like his band played in their then their bands played. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere... Doesn't mean like any of the value of those players rubbed off on these guitars. If the if guitars from those bands had played this guitar it wouldn't have made this guitar the value that he's trying to get for it. You know, the only way you get the value for like, this is the kind of ad that pops up. Um, and you, the only way you kind of like even get this kind of value is if it's like, uh, I don't know. Um, actual Ted Nugent is selling off guitars on reverb, right? Come to Ted Nugent's reverb store. And there's going to be like some guitar like this that's all like hippy dippy punk rocked out from the 1960s before he moved on to Birdlands, like Birdland everything all the time. Right. And it's going to be listed. Why do, you, why do we know so much about Ted Nugent? Everyone, he had a signature Birdland. Like I he's know, known but for why that. do we know that? Why do we? Why do we know stuff about this guy? Because that's a musical fact. It drives me nuts. That's a fact. That's a fact. It's a, it's a fact, guys. It's. It's a fact. I mean, why do we know that uh, the talk box guy, uh, Peter Frampton, plays Les Pauls? Because it's a fact. It's a it's fact. Just a fact. We know facts, guys. This is a fact-based podcast, and we know we know facts. Facts. Yeah. We have the facts. We have the facts. Facts me the facts. And we're voting yes. All right. So, um, yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't have. I, that was just kind of my take. Was like the like to me, it's just. Again, unless I'm missing something completely about 
So, oh, here's the other thing. This if guy this guitar is as important as he thinks it is, it belongs in a goddamn museum. <laughs> um, unless I'm just like completely missing something. Like I'm, you just you'd have to be a fan. You'd have to know who this guy is. Right. You'd have to be a fan of this band. You'd have to be sitting around going like, oh man, I, I still play my Apostles records on the regular. The good old days. I'll never get those days like, back. I wish I had a memento. Like I'm trying to think of like, I've got all this, uh, these piles of baby, baby boomer money. I just wish I could spend on something. I'm trying to think of like a band that was like big in San Diego, but never went anywhere outside, like beyond San Diego. You mean like the beat farmers or the rug burns? I feel like that it would have to be like that kind of a thing. Like, Steve Poltz in his old age selling a guitar, talking about how he played on the same stage as Jack Johnston and Jason Mraz. Right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, or, guy, or whatever. That guy wrote that song for Jewel. They were dating. I did. He's he wrote, gonna, yeah, no, exactly. He, sure. the, sto- the story is he wrote it down on a napkin and he's like, ah, I don't want this song. You can have it, Jewel. Yeah. And then they broke up and she got famous. Oops. Probably broke up because she was living in a van down by the beach i think yeah, i don't know this is the story i don't know there's all this folklore around jewel yeah i i i and even like steve Poltz, i feel like if you played like hitchhiker joe like people outside of san diego are gonna is that that's steve that's a that, yeah right? that's the rugburns i'm surprised yeah. that you know rugburn song I used to like every time oh, you we would know go to the show i know it from you okay also i know it from the radio you heard the Rugburns on the radio? Yeah, they've played like they used to play it on like the local show on 91X. They oh, okay. would drop some Steve Polt stuff gotcha, once in a while. Gotcha. Um because they barely pe- played it for like a week when I was very first a teenager and listening mm. to the radio. When you I must feel have like I've heard been the, just a little tiny tween. I feel like I've heard the beat farmers on the radio, local radio too. But I feel like Steve Poltz probably well, has beat, some stuff. The beat on, farmers like, are the band for Country Dick Montana, right? And so, but I think both those guys at least have had like one song that like segments of the general American population might be familiar with. Sure. Like, there's a shot. Sure, this is guy is giving me nothing. I've never heard of this guy before. And like maybe like if it was actually important, he's he'd be like nobody. I played he's this worth in the Apostle. No, I'm sure he's a blah, good blah, guy. blah 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 blah. Whatever you know, I recorded this song that maybe you've heard of. Yeah, you I know? mean, even if he posted a, you know, a link to his album or something like that, so there's something like, to check I just, out. I really can't think of what like the Southern California equivalent would be because I was thinking like, oh, maybe this would be like the equivalent of like POD or Switchfoot or whatever. But they all have like national, like international mega stardom hits. Maybe it'd be the equivalent of like Dogwood to your POD. You know, yeah, like, maybe, but I feel like or like lots NIV, of, NIV, maybe more like NIV. We're talking about all the old Christian hardcore bands that used to yeah, be in the church man, scene. I don't know, here. but even those bands, like they had reach outside of San Diego, they were just stuck. They were pretty they were Southern like, Californian, but though. they they were just pretty jammed into like Christian music. Yeah, you're probably. But right. I think Dogwood had like a pretty wide reach. I actually found out uh, one of the two Gear Talk Praise and Worship was the bass player for. Uh, for dogwood and because someone's talking about like oh if you could quit your job and like just be in a band full time like or have you ever thought about quitting your job and being in a band full time and this dude's comment like, was don't like, do it no yeah no his comment was like yeah i used to be in a band like it's not as cool as you probably think it is that's funny and i looked it up and it was like it was he's like his former occupation was like Bass dogwood. I know that that band had like a ton of turnover. They did. They did. And like different members. So yeah, I don't know. 
I only went to hardcore shows because that's what my friends were going to. I that's liked, where the girls were. I liked different music. And that's where everyone was. Like if I, the choice was sit at home alone or go to a hardcore show. And I I'm surprised to, you didn't choose to sit at, sit at home. Well, sometimes I did, Steve. One one time I got invited to uh go watch uh What About Bob <laughs> the movie? with a bunch of teenagers Yikes. at some party. And I was like, nah, I've seen that mu- movie a bunch of times. And I told my dad, like, ah, I got invited to go to see this movie. And my dad was like, well, would there be girls there? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> wow. Go, go watch the movie. <laughs> and I probably should have gone and watched the movie and hung out with people. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Ready to get out of here? Tell yeah, us about this song, this Steve. song was sent by Beto Rodriguez, who is also local to us. Yeah. Uh, uh, he uh, he says, here's a song we recently recorded. Again, the lead is using a GNL legacy on a Princeton reverb reissue using the Big Ear NYC woodcutter, which is now just Big Ear pedals. Yeah, they uh, dropped the NYC because they're Nashville. Yeah, he says the band is Electric Healing Sound from San Diego slash Tijuana. And this song is called Mainliner. I hope you love it. Thanks for listening. I've been Steve with my ever-present co-host, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show, Steve. No problem. Bye. Bye.